continue to worship by celebrating communion together as we have it every single week. And as Suzanne said about worship, a worship is not just setting you up, preparing the table to hear the word, that the, that the preaching of the word is not the most important thing. As we gather together, the most important thing is that we are opening up our hearts to the available presence of God. And so worship is a way of doing that, and communion is a way of doing that. Celebrating the Lord's Supper is a way of remembering who Jesus is and, and opening ourselves up to his presence. And, and the thing that's amazing about communion is that you think of all the different churches in the world today. A lot of people are sitting in homes across the globe. But those people represent all different kinds of churches, different styles, high church, low church, ones with very elaborate liturgy and some with, with very um, just low tradition. Uh, low not meaning unimportant, but low meaning um, just very free. But in, in all of those situations, there's one thing we all do very um, similarly is we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We celebrate communion. Some call it the Eucharist. And it's a recognition of who Jesus is. And it's an act of our worship. It's, it's interacting with, with the reality of who Christ is. It's recognizing His, his presence uh, among us. And so there are um, hundreds of millions and maybe in excess of a billion people globally right now on this day celebrating reality of Christ, taking time away from everything else to open up our hearts to Jesus. We do it to so many of us in a similar way by celebrating communion together. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote about communion. It's, a, it's one of the sections we go to very regularly when we take this time and set it aside for communion. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, wrote this. He said, For I received from the Lord, so it's a message he received from Christ that which I now give to you or deliver to you. That the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And to give him thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup also after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So he said, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Pick up those elements this morning. Bread cup, wine, or grape juice. Elements that Jesus gave us to help us, as it says here, remember him. Remember his death until he comes. Remember what he did on the cross, but with a promise that he is just as alive today as he ever was and he's coming back. I think that's something a lot of people have been thinking about during this COVID crisis, the Lord's return. The reality that life is fragile, that we're not in control, but that God has an eternal plan, and that we can trust Him. And so think, throughout the centuries, throughout the millennia, Christian people in, in times of crisis, times of plague, times of war, have stopped everything and, and taken the elements, the bread and the cup. And they've put things in perspective as they've worshipped. They've put the whole, the whole uh, plethora of things that they're going through in perspective. Ultimately, eyes in terms of eternity. And says, ultimately, it's about Jesus. That he has a plan. And he's holding us in his hands. And he invites us to remember that that's all true. Take that bread this morning. Hold it in your hand. 
recognize that the Lord said, this is my body broken for you. That he did it for you. He gave his life for you. He gave it for me. Yes, there might be a billion plus celebrating this manner right now, but he knows your name. He did it for you. That's how much he loves you. He's inviting us now to open up our hearts to him. Let's take that bread. Let's look to Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you love us and that, Lord, you've given yourself for me as an individual and every person as an individual and that we invite now your presence to come and touch us in a way that only you can. Let's partake of the bread together. He said this is a new covenant in his blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of him made a new deal with us, a new covenant. It's not about law anymore. It never really was. The law was just a way to show us that we couldn't be good enough, we couldn't work hard enough, we couldn't be religious enough to be right with God. But what we can do is put trust in Jesus. That he died in your place, he died in my place. We're going to talk about that for a while in the message. That he told us to hold in our hand the cup and recognize he shed his blood for us and then invite his strength, his power and all his reality into our lives as we celebrate him and as we look to him so let's look to him this morning Jesus again we hold this element that speaks to us of your presence reminds us of what you've done and it assures us of your return and Lord if you are so great as to have died and rose again and you're seated at the right hand of the Father right now waiting for the word to return it could be today that Lord we surely can entrust any issue into your hands you are the eternal one. You are the all-powerful one. You are the all-sufficient one. And so this morning, Lord, we give you everything that is bothering us and holding us back. We need your healing strength in our people and our church family that are sick and need miracles. And we pray for miracles today of healing, miracles of provision, miracle answers on how to navigate um, businesses during this time. You are the source of all that. And so Lord, we trust in you and right now we invite you to answer in ways only you can. Let's receive Jesus, we thank you that we are joining now with, with millions and millions and millions of people around the world being aware of your presence, inviting your, your reality into our, into our circumstances. That, that really, that is why we're together this morning. Open up our hearts to you and to celebrate you. That's what we say, all of us, this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, church. Isn't it good to know that even though we're separated by miles, that really we're not separated because the presence of the Lord is here. It's where you are. I wish you could be with us right now in this place, although the booth, only a handful of us in here, the worship team and the people in the sound booth, um, the presence of the Lord is so very real. And I'm hoping that as you're um, in your living rooms or in your bedrooms or in your kitchens, that you're feeling that tangibleness of God's presence. I know it's more challenging because you have the opportunity for all the distractions. 
I challenge you in these moments, these times, until we can meet again, put those things aside when you're in your home. Put all the distractions aside, kind of, you know, shut everything out and, and have church wherever you are. And I'd invite you to do something else. I was thinking about this as the worship team was leading um, today. I was reminded on the different pictures that people have forwarded to me or put on Facebook of them um, watching church in their homes. And I'm going to challenge you. Send us some of those pictures. Send them to me or to, to Suzanne or Pastor Mitch. Um, send them to our, you know, Mark L at portviewchurch.com or Suzanne L at portviewchurch.com. Send them to us or text them to us. You have our numbers. And I'd like to start to share some of those. Um, I didn't ask for permission, but I think next week I'm going to show you a picture of the Parsons um, doing church with a cat. That's kind of a crazy picture. Some of you maybe saw that. I'm not sure if it was on Facebook or privately to us. But um, I want you to send some pictures. We want to share what it looks like um, as you're celebrating church, uh, celebrating Christ together with your family in your homes. Hey, I want to thank you for something, Portview Church. Last week we had um, Bob McKay with us, and um, you know it was odd. We had a missionary speaking to us. But we actually, it was two weeks ago, I guess, we had Bob McKay, and um, we, had, we had given you an opportunity. We said if anybody wants to contribute um, to his ministry outside of what we would do through our kingdom builders, that was giving, giving him a, um, an honorarium because there was no one here to receive an offering from. And, um, man, you guys were generous. Thank you. Um, we were able to send him an honorarium, and, and Pastor Mitch gets to send him another check um, from all of you. So thank you for your generosity. Um, to keep continually supporting our missionaries, even during this time of, of kind of this, this global uh, crisis. Um, and there's something else in addition to that about ministry-wise that I want to make you, remind you of. Um, this last week, Pastor Mitch and I were on a, a kind of a national Zoom meeting um, with the Summers of God leadership and some ranking leaders, and they're talking about, you know, what's changed because of the crisis and how will church look like in the future. It was really interesting. Because they think the things they said that, hey, these are things that we have to begin to do, were all the kind of things that we do already. Um, not maybe all of them, but we sat and laughed. Because these are very large churches. And they were saying, you know, we got to get back to pastoral care. You know, and we're thinking, okay, I think we kind of get that. Um, and the other thing they said is, we've got to start formulating ministry not based on events and just the big show. We have to do things based on families um, discipling their own children. And we said, we kind of laughed and said, uh, I think we've been pounding that drum for, for years and years and years. And that reminded me of something that I know you probably know, but, but maybe you've forgotten. We have an incredible resource at Portview Church, our Home Point resource. And you guys think of a Home Point Center that we have at church um, that has all those different brochures and, and different packets for stages of life. And it talks about our faith path of our three-year discipleship plan for adults and our 18-year plan for kids. And um, what I want to remind you about is all of those resources are free online at our website, um, portviewchurch.com. So if you have the app or just the website, just click on the app, scroll, to, to, or scroll down to home point, click on that, and all the resources, age-appropriate resources, are all there on our website for you. Um, it was a huge undertaking to put all that information on there a few years ago. And this is the perfect opportunity. I don't know why I didn't think about it until, you know, four weeks into the COVID crisis. I guess because I just I know that you know it's there. But maybe you're watching, you're not familiar with that. Um, you're newer to the church or you've never been here. We have incredible um, discipleship materials for every age of development for raising your children on our home point um, um, page on our website. And so I encourage you, go there, look at that stuff, download. There's sermons, there's, there's uh, materials you can look at, there's um, ideas on things you can do for fun with your families. Go to the home point center of our, uh, point of our website and look that over. The church, some great material, because here's what the COVID crisis is reminding us of. The church is great, but God created families to raise children and pass on the faith. God created families to do that. You know what's kind of cool about the COVID thing? You're allowed to interact with your family. And so moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, you have a unique opportunity during this time to do what God has always planned for you and I to do. 
to be the main influencers in the spiritual development of our children and grandchildren. And so Home Point can be a great opportunity, a great resource for you. There's many other ones, but Home Point's right here for free on our church website. And so I encourage you to go there and, uh, and, and use the resources that are made, made available to you. Make sense? All right. So if I could hear you, so again, yell real loud for me. May is what? Anybody, the three of you in here, tell me, May is? Could you hear them? I'm not sure. May is Missions Month, and I know this year it's been a little different uh, going through that, but we always as a church um, are missions-minded. But each May, we highlight our Kingdom Builders ministry. And remember what Kingdom Builders is. Kingdom Builders is represents the umbrella of all the ministries that we partner with that expand the kingdom of God both locally and globally. And so in May, we highlight it. We remind each other about this incredible opportunity we have through Kingdom Builders to literally change the world, to change people's lives locally and around the world. And so what we do is we partner, and most of this is financial partnership, we partner with a number of local ministries um, every single month. We send out checks, or at least online, we send out funds every single month to numerous ministries that we partner with that we have looked at and we've evaluated and we say they mesh with our vision of reaching people for Christ um, in, in very strategic ways locally and around the world. Um, a lot of them are social justice things that, that really are, are ones that we want to partner with that we think are really um, the heart of God in our day and age. And so locally, I just made a list of, of the ones that could, off the top of my head. That, that we support. I may have forgotten a few, but probably not. So locally, we support the Women's Care Center, which um, hey, we just did another drive for them because they were in desperate need. And man, you guys responded. Suzanne and Amy Lewick went down last week with an, our entire car, our SUV, packed full. And now we got another whole load to go down this week um, because they were in desperate need of certain things. And you guys responded to those things. So the Women's Care Center, and that's every summer we do that big baby bottle drive where we fill up baby bottles. We always joke, say, yeah, you can put quarters and dimes in there, but really put like $1,000 bills and large checks and, you know, gold rings or whatever you want to put in there, um, valuable stuff. And they um, strategically in Milwaukee help moms that are considering um, ending the lives of their, of their children. They're pregnant and they don't know if they want to have a child, and they minister, and they do an incredible job of helping moms um, decide to keep their babies and then help them not only till the baby's born, but to continue to minister to them. And so the Women's Care Center. We support the Inner Beauty Center. The Inner Beauty Center is a, a wonderful ministry down in Milwaukee, just kind of just south of the domes. And it targets prostitutes who are many who are sex trafficked of trying to get them out of the sex trafficking lifestyle. And they do a phenomenal job, just the love of Jesus um, to, these, to these mainly young women. We support Teen Challenge. That, um, matter of fact, many, some people in our church have benefited from Teen Challenge. We have a number of board members um, from our church that serve on the board of Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge is a drug and alcohol rehab center that's all around the world. When we were in Cambodia, um, we had Teen Challenge centers. But right here in Milwaukee, we have Teen Challenge centers. And, um, and so we support that. Every single month, we send them checks. We, we support Spencer Lake, um, our campground. They say, well, how's that, how's that kingdom builder? That's absolutely kingdom builders. It is the place um, that our kids say in their development because everything's taken away. So this, this is the way it works. We so, 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 so into the lives. You as moms and dads, us in the church. But a lot of times when we send our kids away to camp for a week, all those seeds kind of take root because there's nothing else competing. And that's when we see so many kids, you know, really make decisions for Christ, feel called to the ministry, get filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, all those milestones in many of their lives, a lot of them are tied to ministries and the checks every week. We support Chi Alpha Ministries, where there's, those are our campus ministries locally in Wisconsin, where we have college campuses, which is just such a critical time in the life of our, of our students um, that we, we get to um, invest in the Chi Alpha ministers there in those different campuses so that they're reaching people who don't know Christ and helping our students live for Christ in the midst of a really hard environment, our local campuses. We support City on a Hill, which is our inner city ministry. 
um, down in Milwaukee that does, this reaches the most vulnerable people in our entire community. We support them every single month. We support a Chinese ministry at UWM that, that um, is reaching scholars who come to UWM to do master's and doctoral work. We support the main ministry there that reaches them. Many of them come to Christ. Most of them never heard the gospel. And then they go back to China and other Asian countries, but a lot of Chinese, and they're, they're believers. And so they're incredible strategic, and they're leaders in their country. Um, we support the Wisconsin Northern Michigan church planting. Every month we support church planters so that, so that we can keep planting new churches in areas around our, around our state, um, Wisconsin, northern Michigan, because um, there's lots of communities that still need more churches. That's the local part of Kingdom Builders. But just think of this. Not only do we do that, but, but, but worldwide we, supri- we supply or support um, ministers and ministries, missionaries, globally. And I just wrote down some of the countries and regions. Some I can't say the countries because they're sensitive, but these are just the countries and regions that we together so send support to every single month. Hungary, Moldova, Eurasia, Caribbean, Myanmar, Kenya, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Germany, Morocco, Slovakia, Mexico, Georgia, the country of Georgia, Spain, Sudan, Ukraine, Cambodia, Argentina, Nepal, and then we support Speed the Light, which goes to all of those, and BGMC, which goes to all of those. And then we support Global Radio Outreach, which is in Seattle, but it, but it uses the Internet to send the gospel message all over the Internet in the Arab world. All those different ministries we partner with, ministers and missionaries, to expand the kingdom of God every month. And just that group of ministers, ministries, and we do a lot more, those alone we send right at $4,000 every single month. $4,000 goes out in separate checks just to that group every single month. And we also do projects. Um, we do things like, think of a couple times or three times, we've been to San Vicente, Mexico. And we've done building homes for poor people, um, helping build the church in San Vicente. Um, last year, through Kingdom Builders Ministries, Portview Church, in addition to our tithes, the tithes that support the local ministries of Portview Church, all the things we do here. In addition to that, you gave, our church gave over $105,000 in addition to our tithes to support the church. That's amazing. And you know what I'm so happy about? I am so happy to pastor a crazy, generous church. I am so happy to pastor a group of people who understand that God has given us great great resources, and with great resources comes great opportunity, and that we are spreading the gospel all around the world and all locally around through strategic partnerships through our Kingdom Builders Ministries. Now, someone could ask, Pastor Mark, why? Why in the world would we give so much money to people um, that we will never meet in places that we will never go? You know, we support somebody in Kenya. I would love to go to Kenya but I'm pretty sure I'm never going to make it to Kenya, this side of heaven. I'm hoping in a new heaven and new earth that I'm going to get to go to Kenya. But, um, but this, side of, this side of heaven, I'm not sure that I'll ever be there. But you know what? Why would we support a ministry in Kenya or any of the places that we mentioned? Well, I think there's one main answer. Jesus' parting words recorded in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, says this. Go therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Friends, we go through the ministry partnerships that we have. We are a vital part of the ongoing process of taking the gospel around the world. In all the nationaries and ministries, could not go and make disciples in all the nations that I just named and all the different ministries you know, that I just talked about if we didn't play a vital role in enabling those through our financial support. And I'm looking forward to our continued involvement in all of those, and I'm looking forward to increasing our involvement in the many more places that are strategic, and I'm looking forward to the big projects that we do every single year. Now, 2020 has been a, a funny year. I saw a funny meme on TV. It showed a picture of a car, 
and it was said, if 2020 was a car, it had one wheel pointing that way, one wheel pointing that way, the front of the car was over here, the steering wheel was pointed that way, and you looked at the car and you couldn't figure out which way does this thing even drive? And it was entitled, if 2020 was a car. Well, ministry-wise, if 2020, you know, is, is, it's, been a, it's been kind of a mess. And in 2020, we had two um, projects already planned that were kind of our two big um, projects this year. One was that in fall, in September, we're supposed to be going to, um, to Moldova, and we were sending a team there. As a matter of fact, we had so many people interested in going that we were looking like we had almost too many people saying they would go. In addition to sending a team, we'd committed to $10,000 in cash to buy materials to build the church. That was one of our big projects. We don't know what's going to happen to that right now. We're either going to probably just send the funds or we'll send a team and funds later. might even be in 2021. The other big project was um, we'd committed to sending at least one team and maybe multiple teams up to northern Wisconsin to Antigo and $5,000 for materials to partner with Pastor Chris Elfline in a building expansion they're doing. We really had a fun opportunity. You know, their church is, he's doing a phenomenal job in that church. And it's growing, and they're reaching new people, and people are coming to Christ. But it's a smaller church, and they're just developing, and they're trying to learn faith, and they're trying to take a risk and build an addition. And I asked them, I said, if we sent you some money, would that encourage the faith of your board and your people to say, if somebody else believes in us to take a risk, we can? He said, it would. So I committed from our kingdom builders to send $5,000 to Pastor Chris. And so we're still hoping to do that this year. We don't know how 2020 and COVID is going gonna, is gonna to affect that. So it might be 2021. But those are just two of the projects that we had on the books for this year. And I am looking forward to the many things that we will continue to do through our Kingdom Builders Ministries. We get to go through our giving by partnering with these kingdom-expanding ministries. And I'm, as I said, I am so happy to be part of a generous kingdom-minded church. And I would just say this, if you haven't yet begun to join with us in investing into expanding the kingdom through our Kingdom Builders Ministry, I just invite you to be part of something that is beyond yourself, that is changing lives locally and around the world, and know that you can do something incredibly eternal by partnering with ministries around the world. Maybe you can't go. Maybe we're not supposed to go to Kenya. But guess what? We can, we can go there through partnership with ministries. And so I just invite you, if you've not been part of that, join with us as we take the gospel around the world and we change lives in all of these places every month. I get excited every month when I realize what we're doing. When I write out my, well, actually, Suzanne writes out our missions check. When she writes out our missions check, and we support ministers, ministries even outside of the church, when we write those checks out, we are excited because we know that we're changing the world um, one person at a time. So that's how we go that way. But now, kingdom builders is how we're going through our giving but I want us to think about something different today, something in addition to this today, um, something else regarding Jesus' instruction to go that we read from Matthew. And it's this. It's what I want to think about. How are we going personally? How are we going, I'd say this, maybe a better word, bodily, meaning my hands and my feet. How are we going? What does Jesus' instruction to go mean in practical ways for our living our lives right here, right now. So we go through our partnership with giving, but how do I go bodily? Well, I'll tell you something. That question is why we sent the book Surprise the World to each home at Portview this year. The reason we mailed out that book, and I hope you're reading it, change your lives. It's a simple little book. It's a short book, but it, it really can change your life, and I think it can change the lives of other people by helping them come to know Christ as we, as we embrace some of the things that Frost says in that book. But the reason we sent out that book this year was to answer this question. You see, um, the what does it mean for me to go and make disciples here is about each of us living like missionaries every single day of our lives. Meaning, living the kind of life that is focused meaning focus, that is one of the main things we look at every day, 
focused on helping the people around us come to know the reality of Christ in their life. It's living missional lives. And that's what surprised the world was meant to help you and I understand better. That if, if we live, as Frost would say, questionable lives, lives that we live in such a way that people see us as different and inviting, they say, I want to live a life like you live, then people will want to know why you live how you live, and that will open the door for you to tell them about Jesus. This idea of living a certain way in order to open up the door of opportunity to tell others about Jesus reminds me of something that the Apostle Peter said in his first letter. So grab your Bible and open up to 1 Peter with me. And I want you to show you something that Peter says that, that this really, this idea of missional living comes right out of this. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, listen to what he says. He says, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if you are asked about, about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But you must do this in a gentle and a respectful way. Let me read that again. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if you are asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But you must do this in a gentle and a respectful way. Regarding missional living, I really see two important concepts that Peter lays out for us in this verse about how I can live every day by being part of the mission of God. The first one is this. How you live, how you interact with other people matters. Peter says that our interactions should be how? What's he say in the text? Gentle and respectful. Now, Frost, in the book that we sent you, in his terminology, he would say that's living a questionable life. You say, well, why? Because if you read the whole chapter there and the chapter surrounding that, you will see that Peter was writing his letter to Christians, telling them to be gentle and respectful in the midst of being mistreated and persecuted because they were Christians. And, 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 and that's the context of the verses surrounding his instructions that says, listen, be ready to explain your Christian hope, but do it in a gentle and a respectful way. Well, friends, if anything describes living a questionable life, to me, that is a questionable life. Being kind when you're mistreated would cause people to question, why are you living the way you live? And that opens up the door to say, oh, I live the way I live because Jesus is in my life. Now, in the book that we sent you, Surprise the World, Frost explains five habits that Peter would say would help you live a questionable life. And I want to take just a moment, I want to go through those five because I think this, the, one, the main reason I sent this book out to you is because Frost talks about this, this idea of living a bell's life, B-E-L-L-S. And I think Peter would stand with us and say, that's what I'm trying to get at. He'd say, live in such a way that you live differently than the people around you. And what I like about the way Frost does it is Frost isn't talking about things that you've got to be some super Christian to do. And sometimes that's what we think about. How do I reach people? Like, I've got to be this super preacher, this super smart person, and memorize the whole Bible. No, Frost says you can live in a very practical way, intentional ways, among the people around you, and if you do that, that people will eventually look at that and go, why are you the way you are? So he uses this acronym of bells to help us remember this is the kind of life I could live. So let's think about those things, and you got a cover. Look at the cover of the book. It says the five words that we're going to talk about on the cover. So he says these are the things you could do in your life every week. He talks about doing these every week. The first B for bells is the word B for the word bless. And what he says is he encourages you to bless three people this week. And he always adds this caveat, at least one of which is not from your church. Or you could say this, is not a Christian. So he says every week of your life, think about if you want to live missionally, how can I intentionally bless at least three people this week, one of whom is not a Christian? He says through kind words, through kind actions, through acts of generosity, um, through random acts of kindness, 
How can you go out of your way this week and have as a goal? I think that's the thing he's striving at here. Have as a goal, how could I three times this week do bless people in some act of kindness, in some tangible way this week? So he says, every week have as a goal, bless three people, B. Then he says, B-E-L, B-E for bells, E, eat. Now, how many times do you eat a week? If I count just my normal meals, I eat, you know, for sure 21 times a week, seven times three, but I eat a whole lot more than that. And this COVID thing is not being good. Um, you know, the, you know, they're calling it the COVID-19. We've concluded it's because it's like the college freshman 15 that people gain 15 pounds a freshman year. It's the COVID-19 because we're going to all gain 19 pounds. I'm trying really hard not to do that. Um, but we all eat a lot of times a week. And Frost says, what if every single week we said we're going to eat with three people this week? Now, obviously, he's not talking about sitting out with your family every night and eating. He's saying intentionally eat some meal um, with three people every single week. And so, again, one of which is not a Christian or from your church. And so think of the intentionality of that. I've been trying to live this out, and it's not easy. Not because I don't eat but because generally our worlds focus on a very small group of people. So he says every week, who could you, a co-worker, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, who could you eat with this week, one of whom of those people is not, does not know Christ? And he's saying don't preach at them, just eat with them. Share a hamburger with them, a butter burger with them. Nothing could be finer. So B-E, the first Allen Bells, is listen. What he's saying is cultivate a life of listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he says this, that every week you set aside some period of time in silence and solitude just to learn to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then when you interact with people as you're eating with them or you're blessing them, listen for the voice. Train yourself to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to do? How are you asking me to interact with these people? Understand the Spirit wants to use you to help other people come to know him. And so we listen every week. We, try, we set time aside to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Then the sec- next L in bells is learn, that we learn to be more like Jesus. And he says the main way that we do that is we learn to be more like Jesus by encountering Jesus in the Gospels. So we spend a lot of time in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, learning Jesus. And he also says, read other books about Jesus, um, extra biblical books. Learn everything you can about Jesus because Jesus is our ultimate role model. How can we live our lives out like Jesus? And then, so that's B-E-L-L, and then the S of bells is sent. And it's this, it's knowing, understanding in your mind that you and I are sent by God into the world to represent him. It's understanding that wherever life takes us, God has sent us there. So God sent me to the neighborhood I live in, and God sent me to the church I pastor, and God sent you to the job that you have, and God sent you into the family you were born into, and God sent you into whatever club or activities you're part of. He sent you there. And why did he send you there? He sent you there so that you can be his light and love in that place. You can live a questionable life, not a preachy life, a questionable life. So when people say, why are you different? Then then you have opportunity to say, it's because of Jesus. And as I was thinking about this, there's a couple things that came to my mind. In the Bells thing is I've been trying to live it out, that it takes something. It takes, but they're easy things, and it takes effort. What I've learned is I don't do any of these things naturally. But they're easy things to do. They're things that any one of us can do. We all eat. Um, but we have to intentionally try to meet, meet up with somebody, eat with somebody who is not just an immediate part of my family, and that one of whom every week doesn't know the Lord. It takes intentionality. It takes some effort. And as, as I was learning about this, I actually learned, came across this book in a, in a class in my master's. And by the way, I want a little sidebar here. I want to thank all of you for the um, parade, graduation parade that you guys had last Friday at my house. 
As you know, I couldn't go to my graduation in Kansas for my master's, and some secret people that are sitting in here right now worked behind the scenes and, and surprised me totally with all those cars, dozens and dozens and dozens of cars driving by my house, throwing candy. You know, today, Micah is here helping learn how to run sound. He enjoyed way too much throwing candy at me out the window. I was dodging the candy with one of the signs that somebody gave me. Thank you for that. But that re I'm reminded of that because this book, Frost's book, was one that in my, in my uh, studying I came across. And um, in that book, what we do is we had to break into groups of people for my class. Um, and every week we had to talk about how are we living out bells. And one of the ladies, a lady from Texas whose husband's a doctor, Talked about her name is Maureen. Love Maureen. I said, Maureen, you got to come to to Wisconsin to be part of Portview Church, and um, that she said that her and her husband do something they called the monthly table, and COVID nineteen kind of messed it up because Suzanne and I were saying we're going to live this thing out, but the monthly table, what they do in order to try to accomplish this, is that they literally they actually bought had a special made table in their backyard. We live in Texas where it's warm, and they have a patio in their backyard, and they have a table they call the monthly table. And every month, they take the month, and they invite like 10 people from their community to a meal. And it's, it's people that you wouldn't normally, it's the, the bagger of their groceries. It's their dry cleaner. It's a neighbor. It's somebody new to the community. It's somebody they rub shoulders with at, a, at the YMCA. And they say, listen, we do this thing called monthly table, and we want to invite you to our house. And they put on a meal every single month for people that are just very light acquaintances in the community. And he said, not everybody shows up, but some do. And the people say, why are you doing this? And they're saying, well, we're just trying to show kindness. And they're not preaching at them, and they're just getting to know them. That as they do that, what they're doing is they're setting up this, this opportunity where people are saying, why are you doing what you're doing? And it's because they're trying to say they want to live a questionable life. And here's what this reminds me of. It reminds me that what I know is that I have to plan to live a questionable life, that it doesn't happen by accident, that for us, Suzanne and I and our family, without intentionality, we will spend almost all of our time with a very small group of family and friends, our connect group and our church staff and the people at Portview and our family. And that we need to continue to develop habits that will intersect our lives with those who don't know Jesus yet. And in those interactions, our goal is to live out questionable lives so that people say, why do you do what you do? Does that make sense? It's pretty simple, right? I think it, I think it makes sense. Now, with that foundation, let's kind of quickly go back to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, and see the second important thing that Peter says about missional living from that text. He says there, we live in a certain way. We live, we, we live kindly, basically, saying while we're being persecuted. Why? He says, so that we have the opportunity to explain our Christian hope. Live in such a way so that you have an opportunity to explain your Christian hope, that we're looking for opportunities to tell others about Jesus. Just imagine this. You intentionally connect with someone in your circle of influence who doesn't know Jesus yet. They see your life. They see that you live a little different than other people in a good way. And they question why you live the way you live. Why do you do the things that you do? Like being kind or humble or gentle or generous or respectful? The question then is this, of living, what do you say? How do you answer the question of living a questionable life? How do you, Paul, Peter says, explain your Christian hope. How do you explain your Christian hope? Well, friends, this is the, the second part that we need to think about when it comes to missional living. What do we say? Peter says, be ready to say, to give a reason for why you live. What should we be ready to say? Well, I think there are two really important things to remember, and I hope this simplifies it for us. Because so many times people get freaked out by this. They think it says, I don't know the whole Bible, and I'm not a preacher, I never went to Bible college, I don't have anything to say. Yes, you do. 
Here's the two things to focus on. Number one, your story. Number two, the story. Let me explain that. Your story and the story. The first thing I always want to share is my story. How I met Jesus. How Jesus has changed my life. How walking with Jesus has been such an incredible blessing for me and my family. I want to tell people about that Jesus has brought peace to my life, even in unpeaceful times. I want to share that Jesus has offered forgiveness in my life, and all the junk that I've done is washed and forgiven under the blood of Christ. I want to share how Jesus has given me real purpose in life so that I actually have a reason to get out of bed in the morning, something much greater than just saying, i got to go to work to make money, to pay the same bills, and get up and go to work to make money, to pay the same bills month after month after month after month and say, what's the rat race all about? That I don't live a rat race because Jesus is in my life. I have real purpose, a much more important reason to get out of bed in my life, and that's to be part of his mission to seek and to save the lost. I want people to know that I have hope, that I have hope for, for a bright future with Christ that begins now but extends through all of eternity. That guess what, friends, and I mean this with all my heart, I'm not afraid of COVID-19. Because they say, well, is that Pastor Mark, you just believe it's nothing? I believe it's something. You know, my son Josh is working out in a COVID unit in Boston because it, there's five ICUs and they're all full. It's real stuff. But here's the deal. We don't have to be afraid of it. Why? Because I know my future. And even if I was to get it, what's the worst that could happen? I'd go to meet Jesus. You know, the other day I was working and doing, like a lot of you, a COVID project. Have you all had COVID projects, your honeydew list, that all of a sudden now you have to do because you just can't run around going somewhere every weekend? And I was painting. We, we tore down the wallpaper in our little tiny bathroom downstairs, tore down the wallpaper, and it washed it all off, and, and we're repainting it. I was painting the trim above the door. And I don't know why I thought about this, but I thought about a friend of mine named Dan. A lot of you know my friend, Dan Loopy. He passed away about two years ago, a year and a half ago now. And Dan and I did a lot of projects together. And I was thinking about Dan, and he used to always say, that's good enough, that's good enough, whenever we do something. Come on, get done, that's good enough. And I was thinking, as it's a COVID thing, and I was thinking about Dan as I was painting, and I thought, the COVID crisis isn't bothering Dan. Dan's with Jesus in heaven. Friends, that's the future we have in Christ. When I'm telling people about Christ, I'm not preaching theology to them. I'm talking of my story, that I have hope. And here's the thing about your story. No one can tell you your story's not true. They can debate theology with you all day long. What do you believe about that? Or I don't believe that. And I hear, when I talk to people, I hear everything in the world. This is why I don't believe the Bible. This is why I don't believe that. I always say, okay, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. Friends, no one can tell you that your story isn't true. So your story is always the best starting place. So when somebody says, What's, what are you prepared to tell about? Prepared to tell your story. Think about your story. Think about in these quiet times what Jesus done for you so that when you live a questionable life and says, why are you the way you are? Why do you believe it? You don't say, well, because my church says so. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say because Pastor Mark said so. Say because Jesus changed my life. This is what I've experienced in Christ. So you tell them your story. Next thing you do is you tell them the story, the gospel message. And although there's as many ways of explaining that as there are people to explain it, I want to simplify it for you with four words. I want you to write them down. Four words. Let's try to think what's the simplest way that you could communicate the gospel to somebody. It's re I'll tell you them, then I'll explain them. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. If you memorize those four, just remember those four words and just explain what they mean, you explain the gospel. Let's talk about it for a minute. Creation. Creation is always the right starting place to tell the story of God. A lot of people start with this. I'll tell you something like this. You know, um, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? That's starting in the wrong place, in my opinion. Start in the beginning. Creation. Why? God created a wonderful, perfect, good world 
It describes who God is, that God is a good God. A good world with wonderful relationships between God and man. That God created mankind to live in abundance in a garden filled with joy and goodness and healthy relationships between men and women and all humanity. That's God's plan. He created a good world and put man in a good world. That's the God of all the universe. Creation. The next word is fall. That although God created a good world, mankind chose to reject God's way and follow Satan. God said, all the garden's yours, just don't eat of that one tree. Why? Because he was protecting man. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he was protecting man from, from trying to be like God. And so Satan convinced man, went to Eve and then to Adam, to eat of the fruit. And what happened? God had said all along, he protected him, if you eat it, you will die. And mankind said, God, I'm going to disregard what you do, and I'm going to do what Satan says, and I'm going to eat it, and they ate and sin entered the world, and the relationship, the good relationship was broken, and good creation was cursed, and mankind fell. And God was trying to protect us, and now mankind lives under the curse of sin and death because of fall. And all the junk of the world, people say, why did God let COVID? God didn't create COVID. God isn't allowing COVID. Sin and the fall is the reason for COVID and everything else. Because of sin in the world, death comes in all various ways. Because of mankind, brokenness in the world's brokenness because of sin. So creation and fall, interestingly, those two are found in the first very couple verses or chapters of the whole Bible. But then the whole rest of it explains a different story. Redemption. From that day on, God gave a promise to Adam and Eve that someday a Redeemer would come. That the serpent's head would be crushed by, his, by the seed of, Ab- of Adam and Eve. Jesus came in their line. It was this promise of Christ coming that God himself, the Son of God, Jesus, came to redeem mankind. To, in other words, buy us back from the curse of sin and death. That Jesus himself came on the cross. He died on the cross in your place and in my place to, to break the curse of sin and death. He said, you're supposed to die, but I'll die in your place, and I have life, and I'll give you my life. That he broke the curse, and he gave us, he redeemed us from the curse of sin and death. So redemption, and then restoration. From that moment forward, when you come to Christ, you're redeemed. God begins to restore your life back into the abundance of the garden. He's restoring restore creation into that beauty of the, even greater than the beauty of the garden. That God is in the restoration business. He restores us one person at a time. And he someday is going to create a brand new heaven and a brand new earth that will go on for eternity without sin, without corruption, without death. That's the whole story. That God, creation, God made you perfect, humankind perfect, the world beautiful and perfect. That God is an abundant, good God but that mankind rejected him and fell into sin. But God didn't leave us dead in sin. He redeemed us through coming himself in Jesus the Son. And then he's restoring everything to beauty and perfection and joy. So you want to know what to say? You tell him your story, the story of your life. Then you tell him the story, the story of the gospel in four words, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. That's what you can tell him. And when I am talking to someone, and I get that up that I have, I've lived a life that, that somehow they see something in me that they want to know, the hope that I have, here's what I want to do. I want to place them in the story. I want to help them find out where they are in the story. Tell them the story of creation, fall, uh, redemption, restoration, and ask them, where do you think you are in that story? What they almost always understand is I'm living in the reality of the fall. Sin and problems and loneliness and separation and fear and hopelessness. And you say, okay, but God has something better for you. He's redeemed you. He already did. He's given you the, he's already bought you. You just need to come to him. And you help them find their place in the story. Friends, that's the end game of the missional life. The end game is you and I 
partnering with Jesus and his mission of seeking and saving the lost, of helping them find where they are in the story, go from fall to redemption with the promise of restoration. That's what we get to do when we live a missional life. Well, I want to wrap up this morning. May is Missions Month. We get the honor of going all over the world through our Kingdom Builders partnerships, through our monthly giving. I encourage you to be part of that if you're not yet. And then we get to go personally as missionaries as we live missional among the people that we interact with, that we get the opportunity to tell our story and the story. As we live questionable lives, they say, why are you the way you are? We say, let me tell you. This is what Jesus has done for me, and this is what God's done for the world. And we tell them the story. Get out in four words. And then so what's going to happen is some people, because of the activity of the Holy Spirit within their soul, are going to say, I want what you have. And they're going to say, could I know Jesus? Could I come to know Christ? And you can say, you absolutely can, because the only reason you're asking that question is because the Lord himself is drawing you to himself. And you can help them. You can say, you know what? Invite Jesus into your life right now. And here's what I know. That maybe some of you watching today, that if you think of this big story of creation, fall, the redemption, that God bots, buys us back, he, he forgives our sins, and he promises us a beautiful future restoration that you're in a spot right now and you're living in the pain and the hurt and the hopelessness of broken, fallen humanity. But you know there's something better. And you want to ask, you want to you escape. You want to you come out of this and the answer is Jesus. And you can come out of it. You can come to know Christ. And you can do it right where you are right now. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask you, if you're in your homes right now, because maybe you're sitting there and you're with your, your children and a mom and dad and whoever else, but one of you maybe isn't really really all in with Christ. I want you all to do something here. Close your eyes, all of you. In your living rooms, in your bedrooms, close your eyes right now. And I want you to think. Be honest with yourself. I'm not watching. I can't even see you. But God is in your room. Where are you in the story? Have you given your life to Christ? Have you come to know him as your savior? And when you do that, he's forgiven you of your sins. You've confessed him as your Lord. You said, I want to follow you. I'm going to worship you. God, you are God and I'm not. You can do that right now. You can pray in your, in, your, in your home right now, this simple prayer, say this, Jesus, there's nothing magical about the words. You're just opening up your heart. You're saying yes to God. Jesus, come into my life. Wash me of all the junk and all the garbage. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. And on this day, I want to ask you into my life. I want you to I want to make you Lord of my life. I want you to be my God, and I want to follow you. I need you to help me do that, God. So right now, on this day, make me brand new in Jesus' name. Amen. If you did that, friends, God heard you. And he's celebrating with you. You're a brand new person. You went from fall to redemption. And God's in the process from this moment on of redeeming, making things new in your life as you walk toward an eternity with Him and His goodness. If you've done that today, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you know somebody that you know is a follower of Jesus, I want you to tell them. Because you need somebody, some people to walk alongside you to help you grow, to help you get it, to help you understand. Tell them and ask them to help you. And if you don't know anybody or you want to tell somebody else, you know what? Call me at the church. Call us at the church. Um, send a message to our website, and we will love to get back to you. Go to portviewchurch.com.
and send us a message, and we will get back to you. Because you know what? This is the reason we live. Seeing you set free to become brand new in Jesus Christ. So friends, we love you. Look forward to the day we can all be together. If you came to Christ, we're looking forward to the day you can celebrate with us in our sanctuary at Portview. Hopefully it won't be long. God bless you, friends. Have a wonderful day in Christ.